Good morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. Yesterday was Sunday, so we're going to break down what happened in yesterday's games for Week 14. And really, that's it. We've got a long show ahead of us. Buckle up, sit back, relax, sip your coffee, and let's enjoy the show. All right, guys, I need you to be honest in the chat. Is this camera, I've changed my camera. It looks like it's still not quite working, but looks slightly better. Looks slightly better. Uh, if you could let me know in the chat on YouTube, if this looks a little bit better to you, I, I invested in a new camera this weekend, thinking it would solve some things. Looking at it right now, it still looks like it's messed up. So uh, that's concerning. That's very concerning, but it is what it is. We're just going to go through and we're just going to talk about football. Welcome into the chat, everyone. Good morning, Noobs World Order. Jess, Ryan, welcome in to you on Instagram and TikTok as well. We're going to break down every single game. The first one, the heartbreaker. We'll just start with the heartbreaker. Falcons, Buccaneers. I told you guys this on Friday. The Falcons were going to win this game. They were going to take home the NFC South and Desmond Ritter was going to look amazing. All of the Falcons were going to look amazing as they go home leading the NFC South. But that's not the case. They end up losing the game. Now, the Falcons did look good. The Falcons looked pretty damn good. Desmond Ritter had 347 pass yards, which is just a ton for him. He scored a touchdown in the air. He scored a touchdown on the ground. Drake London had 172 receiving yards. Kyle Pitts had 57 receiving yards and a touchdown. Bijan Robinson, he had 54 receiving yards. I mean, it was all of those guys got a, a great game. Really did get such a great game. It was a ton of fun to watch. And just remember, just remember as we push out the rest of the season that Arthur Smith robbed us of a few weeks of Desmond Ritter. I know going into Desmond Ritter's benching, everyone was saying that it just wasn't good, that he needed to get benched, that it was unexciting and all that fun stuff. But We've seen it now. Ever since Desmond Ritter has been the starting quarterback again, the Falcons offense has come back to life and actually shown some promise. And so I love Desmond Ritter at the helm for the Falcons. I'm excited to see this final push as now the NFC South is tied between the Buccaneers, Falcons, and Saints. Buccaneers technically number one, but we still have a lot of weeks ahead of us. And I think it's going to come down to the very final week of the season, week 18. The Falcons will be traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. So that's going to going to be a very, very important game. Now on the Buccaneer side of the ball, there's honestly not that many takeaways, but I just want to give, you know, we've got to give our, our round of applause here to Rashad White, who had yet another 100-yard game, yet another touchdown game, 105 rush yards, 33 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Just honestly, so, so good. And when you see, you know, him getting 33 receiving yards, that's actually probably or pretty good because in this game, no one did a lot. Chris Godwin was the leading receiver with five receptions for 53 yards. But for the most part, this was Rashad White putting the Buccaneers on his back and taking this win home to Tampa. So just another little clap to Rashad White as that was a really great performance for him. And he's not slowing down either. I mean, he is absolutely killing it. So Buccaneers leading the NFC South but the door is still wide open for the Saints or the Falcons to take it home as well. And Desmond Ritter is playing really well right now. Tons of fun to watch. Bears-Lions is our next game to break down right here. And really, the Lions, I don't know what's going on with them. They've slowed down a lot the last few weeks, and they lose this game to the Bears 28-13. to And their only touchdown is Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, who gets three receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. That 44 yards was a team-leading amount. So no one 
on the Lions had any receiving work. Sam Laporta only had two receptions for 23 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown only had three receptions for 31 yards. Jamison Williams didn't even get a reception. It was tough sledding for all the Lions receivers, but the running backs had a decent game. Both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery had exactly 66 rushing yards, which is not that bad. Gibbs got that touchdown uh, and one extra carry as well as three receptions. So Gibbs still the guy getting the most work. Uh, but it's obviously still, you know, a split backfield. Both of these guys are going to get their get their dues, and it's nice to see. For the Bears, Justin Fields is just so good. He's just so good. I know the Bears are going to move on from him, but whatever team gets him is going to be treated to a truly elite quarterback. I know these stats don't necessarily pop off the page too much. 223 pass yards and a touchdown, 58 rush yards and a touchdown, but that is just, it's really good. And he had some great runs getting out of the pocket, escaping pressure. Justin Fields is a good quarterback, and I'm excited to see where he goes next year. Uh, and I'd probably be trading for him while his value is still lower than where it should be. Now, for the running backs, Justin Fields was the leading rusher. He had 12 carries for 58 yards, had the most carries, had the most rush yards. Everyone else, as I said, to bench on Friday, I said my must-sit players are the Bears running backs, all three of them. Deontay Foreman, 11 carries for 50 yards. Khalil Herbert, only three carries. He took it for eight yards. And Roshan Johnson only had one carry for six yards. So the takeaway there is that Deontay Foreman is the lead back here in Chicago. He's earned that right. But none of them are startable. You can't start these Bears running backs going forward. I know it's a tough matchup against the Lions, but it's going to be split. Justin Fields gets too much work. And Deontay Foreman is not really good enough to warrant being started every week, even if he is the starter. The next game we have on the slate is the Bengals-Colts game. It was a fun one. I mean, you know, kind of fun. Fun because the Bengals scored 34 points, and somehow they scored 34 points without Jamar Chase or T. Higgins really doing anything for that matter. T. Higgins was the leading receiver in this contest, but he only had two receptions. He brought in both of them for 72 yards, but that's not that much. The big takeaway here for the Bengals is that their running back game is strong now. Joe Mixon finally showing some signs of life in this game. He had 21 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown. And he also added three receptions for 46 yards. So just a few claps for him. But the big story in the Bears running back game is that Chase Brown is the backup, but not only the backup, a productive backup. He's actually not only getting volume, but producing with it as well. Eight carries for 25 yards, you know, not the best, but then three receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. And even if it was only eight carries for 25 yards, we're still talking about 11 touches in a Bengals offense that's actually been clicking the last couple weeks. So Chase Brown, more than just a handcuff at this point, can be started in some deeper leagues because he does have some flex appeal with his receiving work and the offense he's attached to. But otherwise, no other takeaways for the Bengals. The Colts, though, Zach Moss is really just not that good anymore. I don't know why he looks so good at the beginning of the season, but this is now back-to-back -back weeks where he's the lead back and not getting much done. 13 carries for 28 yards, and he saves the day in PPR formats with four receptions for 28 yards. But even then, that's not that much. We're talking about 56 total yards uh, and seven off of 17 touches. That's really not that good. And I don't really know if it's going to get better. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I really don't. Now, on the receiving game, Michael Pittman, 11 targets yet again, eight receptions for 95 yards. He's the top dog. Don't know where Josh Downs went. He's disappeared the last couple of weeks. Alec Pierce is just going to flash every once in a while. Michael Pittman is a true alpha, and his price is still not there. Go trade for Michael Pittman everywhere. Pay up. I don't care. I know it's slightly expensive, but it's not expen as expensive as it should be, and it's only going to get better. We're going to have Anthony Richardson back next season, and it's just nice. It's just nice. Michael Pittman is doing so much 
with a lot of volume as well. He's getting the volume. He's doing the production as well. It's nice stuff. It is really, really nice stuff. Um, we'll now talk about who I wanted to talk about most in this. And this is the tight end, Will Mallory. This is a rookie tight end. They drafted him at the end of the fifth round last year. He's from Penn State, I believe. And his workout metrics are really good. He has a above 90th percentile 40-yard dash and speed score, an 80th percentile burst score, and an 80th percentile catch radius while being six foot five, 240 pounds. Great profile for a rookie. But check this out. Five receptions off of five targets for 56 yards. And what's interesting to note about that is that's what it's been the last few weeks. All of these Colts tight ends are playing. Will Mallory, sub 50% snap share, but five receptions. And that's how it's been the last few weeks. It's very interesting to watch. And I'm 100% picking up Will Mallory everywhere I can in tight end premium leagues in my deeper leagues. Because I do think, especially with this Jelani Woods situation where his injury just seems to be never going to be recovered from and he already has a debilitating shoulder condition, I'm getting Will Mallory, who has a good profile and is the receiving tight end. He's the receiving tight end. Mo Alley-Cox is getting usage, but not a lot. Kylan Granson is getting usage, but not a lot. Both of those guys are blocking more than receiving, whereas Will Mallory is getting five targets, bringing in all five of them for 56 yards. It's really good. And it's really good to see a tight end get that much production, that much volume with a low snap share. Again, all three tight ends are getting worked in pretty equally, but Will Mallory is the one catching the ball. And he's a rookie with a good profile. So make sure you get yourself some Will Mallory. Next game we have is the Jaguars-Browns. Jaguars-Browns, Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor Lawrence going into this game, we had no idea if he'd play. I did say on Friday that my my opinion was that he was going to play. You know, uh, he had been practicing all week, looked good in interviews, was trending in the right direction. We've already seen quarterbacks play through high ankle sprains before. So he came out and played. He really did. And what's interesting to note is he wasn't too bad. He threw three touchdowns, and he also had three carries for 11 yards. That's one thing I did not expect. I was not expecting any rushes for Trevor Lawrence going into this game. I really didn't, but he had three carries, brought it for 11 yards. I know it's not a ton, but it's still cool to see with a quarterback that has a high ankle sprain to see him still carry and trust those legs. The big concern here that demonstrates that he's not 100% is the three interceptions. And ultimately, that's what loses them the game as they lose 27 to 31. You can't throw three interceptions and hope to win the game. But very encouraging going forward that Trevor Lawrence is only going to get healthier and healthier as the season progresses on. Uh, even with the three interceptions. That's not going to happen again. Tough defense against the Browns already. Three touchdowns, some rushes. That's what you want to see from a guy less than 100%. So just a quick little clap for Trevor Lawrence for powering through. We do have to talk about the receivers, though, because there was no Christian Kirk. So there are a lot of questions as to what would happen without Christian Kirk going into this game. And while our questions were answered, and answered in a huge way, and the main answer here is that Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones are every week starters rest of season. Evan Ingram, 12 targets. Calvin Ridley, 13 targets. Zay Jones, 14 targets. You heard me right. That is 25, 39 targets split between three different receivers. If that is not what you want to see and hear, then I don't know what you want because all three of those guys now are startable every single week, rest of season without Christian Kirk. It's consolidated between them all and they're all getting the usage. And what's nice is that both Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones did basically nothing 
with that volume. Calvin Ridley brought in four of his 13 targets for 53 yards. Zay Jones brought in five of his 14 targets for only 29 yards, no touchdowns between the two, which means you can easily acquire both of those wide receivers in redraft leagues for your push if trading is still allowed. And even in dynasty leagues, both of these guys are still probably pretty cheap because Evan Ingram brought in 11 of his 12 targets. He had 95 yards and he scored two touchdowns because Evan Ingram is a monster and he's so good at football and he's carrying my Scott Fishbowl team right now. So just want to give some claps to Evan Ingram, but also did want to point out that both Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones were utilized heavily and need to be acquired going forward and probably started. And lastly, on the Jaguars, before we talk about the elite Joe Flacco, Parker Washington was mixed in a little bit. And this is now back-to-back -back weeks where he has a touchdown. So it looks to be that he's a red zone threat and not much else. And that's fine. Two receptions, 27 yards and a touchdown for a guy you're getting for free in some deeper leagues on a pretty good offense. So Parker Washington still worth picking up and rostering, not really starting. Uh, but still, he's getting red zone looks, which is what you want to see from a rookie with not much profile to really get excited over. For the Browns, though, and you can see on the show title, Joe Flacco, he's elite, and I'm sorry for doubting him. I was not sold that Joe Flacco would be this good. I thought he'd be able to manage the game and not have much ceiling, but this is now back-to-back -back weeks where he's looked phenomenal. He's now undefeated, 2-0 as the Browns starter. 311 pass yards and three touchdowns in this one. So good. Literally, you can't ask for any more that from a quarterback, and it's really awesome to see from Joe Flacco, who is still elite. Still a really good quarterback. Still really cool to see him do that. Now, the receivers that benefited from this was David Njoku, who had six receptions for 91 yards and two touchdowns. In this game, we had two tight ends get two touchdowns. Another guy, David Njoku, by the way, carrying my Scott Fishbowl team. <laughs> so this was a fun game for me uh, in my Scott Fishbowl, seeing my tight ends pop off. But you still have to note, David Njoku had a bad week last week, but bounced back in a huge way this week. And it's still 100% a buy in Dynasty Leagues because he's really good. He's a dog. And, and, and he's uh, clearly getting and earning targets. We have to also talk about Amari Cooper, who had 14 targets, brought in seven of them for 77 yards. We didn't see him get any usage with Joe Flacco last week. I believe he was out or got injured early. Can't remember exactly, but I know it was Elijah Moore who got most of the work in Joe Flacco's first game, and he went down. He had double digits targets last week. This week, he only had six, brought in three of them for 42 yards. That was a wide receiver one read last week for Elijah Moore. Now it's Amari Cooper getting the wide receiver one looks, and Joe Flacco is looking his way. So if you can get Amari Cooper cheap, Looking for someone to throw you over the top in your fantasy football playoffs. I think Amari Cooper's going to be the guy because the Browns are going to be fighting for a playoff spot through the rest of the season, and he's getting a ton of targets. So go try to trade for Amari Cooper on the low. Next game we have is Saints-Panthers. This was one of the games I thought might turn into an upset, but I just I need to stop believing in Bryce Young. It's not going to happen this year. It's going to be next year that Bryce Young finally bounces back or reaches some potential or maybe even two years down the line. But either way, this Panthers football team is in complete disarray. Really not much to discuss besides them being bad. Bryce Young had 36 pass attempts, completed 13 of them. That's really bad. Now, of course, none of his receivers are really doing him any favors, whether it be drops or just a really pressured offensive line that can't block worth a damn. But still, Bryce Young, it's not going to happen this season, unfortunately. For the running backs... Chuba Hubbard, 23 carries. Miles Sanders, 10. So Chuba Hubbard doubled his amount of carries and then some. 
but their production was about the same. Chuba had 87 yards off his 23 carries, and Sanders had 74 yards off of his 10 carries. Do not be surprised if this next week looks like 20 carries for Chuba, 15 for Sanders. So if you want to get Sanders for free, I mean, in Dynasty, I'm going to do it in redraft. Don't worry about it. But in Dynasty, we could see Miles Sanders get utilized more next season as they still have that contract. Uh, He's getting a ton of money, so he's still going to get the ball. And then for the Saints, it's weird that they score 28 points in this one because if you look at the box score, no one had a good game. Literally no one had a good game. Derek Carr, 119 pass yards in an entire football game, scored two touchdowns. Chris Olave, 28 yards in an entire football game, but scored a touchdown. And Alvin Kamara, only 45 total yards, but scored a touchdown, saving the day for fantasy points. But none of them looked good. None of them. And yet they still scored 28 points and win the game. Not much to talk about here. I did want to point out my only takeaway, my only important takeaway from this game is don't go doing anything for Jamal Williams. I know he has 11 carries in this game, but that's more of a no Taysom Hill thing, in my opinion. And still, he didn't do anything with his 11 carries. So if I roster Jamal Williams, especially in Dynasty Leagues, I would sell him off of this week for anything, for literally anything. I would take a fifth-round rookie pick for Jamal Williams right now because this is probably the only time the window is slightly open. You're going to have some competitors see 11 carries and think, okay, he could be a handcuff or something if Alvin Kamara goes down for the championship. But Jamal Williams... Not worth a damn. Go trade for him, or trade him away for literally anything. The next game was the Jets-Texans, and it was a tough one. This was a tough one. This was the Texans' first game without Tank Dell, so we had to see what would happen with Nico Collins especially. And then Nico Collins basically immediately got hurt with a calf injury and was out for the rest of the game. So then CJ Stroud had really no one to throw to, and he didn't look good. 10 of 23 for 91 yards, no turnovers, no touchdowns. And then CJ Stroud also picked up a concussion. So the Texans lost some heat, going to have a tough go rest of season, wishing the best for CJ Stroud and Nico Collins. Hopefully they can recover soon. But you look around and there's no one left. Nico Collins and Tank Dell were carrying, and, and CJ Stroud, of course, but those receivers were carrying the team. And Noah Brown, John Mechie, Robert Woods, they're not really good without them. Noah Brown had five targets, brought in zero of them. John Mechie had five targets, brought in one of them. Devin Singletary, 13 touches, but didn't get much done. Damian Pierce, only five touches. So keep that in mind. Eight more touches for Singletary than Damian Pierce, uh, more than double. But no one on this Texans team is good right now. And without CJ, well, even with CJ Stroud, they're going to have a tough go rest of the season if Nico Collins' calf injury sidelines him really at all. Because Noah Brown, Robert Woods, John Mechie, Brevin Jordan, Devin Singletary, none of those guys are elite pass catchers or even very good pass catchers. They're just fine. They can get it done. They're reliable, but not as your main weapons. And so I would not be surprised if CJ Stroud is a rough rest of season and the Texans end up missing the playoffs really depending on Nico Collins injury but also CJ Stroud is concussed and misses this week as well it's going to be very tough for the Texans to get back to speed the big story here though for this game slow claps for Zach Wilson who finishes the day with 300 yards two touchdowns and no turnovers against a very tough stingy Texans defense uh really good game really good game from him really really good game from him Garrett Wilson nine receptions off of 14 targets for 108 yards Brees Hall 10 carries for 40 yards and then eight receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown 
both of those guys did great work while receiving. And I hope Zach Wilson continues to look their way and continues to play like this. And I just wanted to clarify my thoughts on this situation. I say things and sometimes don't go into enough detail and that's my fault. But I've said time and time again that I believe in conviction. I think that that's the most important trait to have as a um, as a backup quarterback or sorry, as a head coach, you need to have conviction. Sorry, lost my train of thought. Head coaches need to have conviction because you have to stick to your game plan if you want things to work. And the fact that the Jets decided this offseason to move on from Mike White, to move on from Joe Flacco, and to bet on Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson should have signified that they were convicted in Zach Wilson if things went wrong for Aaron Rodgers. And then they spent so much time after Aaron Rodgers went down talking about how much they believed in Zach Wilson and how he was the guy who was best to keep them suited to win. And then all of a sudden they changed their tune and they decided to throw Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon under center. And guess what? They look worse than Zach Wilson. You have to remain convicted. You can't throw your team into a bunch of different scenarios, make them work through situations with new quarterbacks. That's not how you win football games. If you're going to be convicted in a player, you've got to stay convicted in a player. And look what Zach Wilson proved to them. They bench him. And then he comes right back out and slings it, proving all of them wrong. It's just like the Desmond Ritter situation. Don't overthink it. Stick to your game plan. You're a head coach who has spent all offseason thinking about what makes your team best, and you can't just let a few mistakes change your mind. You can't. You can't. Arthur Smith knew all offseason that Desmond Ritter is the best quarterback for his system. Robert Saleh and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets front office knew that if Aaron Rodgers were to go down, that they would have to bet on Zach Wilson. And yet they just decided not to after a few weeks and then just moved on. Instead of, instead of at the very least, both the Falcons and Jets, you know what, whatever. Sure, you're not sold on them being your future and think that another quarterback would do better. It's not the backup that's been on your roster all offseason that you've been watching in training camp, that you've been watching in practices that you already decided was not better than the guy that you started. I don't understand how you lose your conviction as a head coach. At the very least, if you feel like your quarterback is not doing enough, go explore the market and get another one. But damn sure don't bench the guy for a guy that you've already accepted is not as good as your starter. You've already had this process time and time again, all off season, all season, all interviews, all game. And yet randomly you're just like, we're going to move on to a guy who's worse. It's stupid, and I hate the head coaches do that, and I'm very happy for Zach Wilson to prove the doubters wrong. Not sure he's going to be able to keep it up. I mean, we've seen this from Zach Wilson this season, right? He'd have a great game against the Chargers, great game against the Chiefs, and then next week is terrible. But still, it's really cool to see that players can believe in themselves and continue fighting despite the coaches giving up on them. So just another quick clap for Zach Wilson. Good stuff. Next game was the Ravens-Rams, and this is another just fantasy football takeaway before we get into just the players overall. But the Ravens-Rams, very good game. And this just goes to show that the most important thing in fantasy football is matchups, but not necessarily matchups. Let me clarify. We always say, right, oh, that's a tough defense. You don't want to play your fantasy football player against them. They're going to do poor. Well, 
That's not always the case. Just because it's a tough defense or a hard team doesn't mean that they're not going to find a way. And this game proves it. The Ravens defense had been phenomenal all season. But then we get a really good game, a shootout, 37 to 31. Good offenses, right? That's what matters most. Yes, defenses at the end of the day are going to stop certain things. Like, I'm not saying this is a steadfast rule. But when you look at a game like the Ravens-Rams, you see a high point total. You see two offenses. You see a Matthew Stafford and a Cooper Cup who have been looking bad. And you should say, you know what? This game should be able to have some points scored. And I bet that all of the players in this game are going to be productive for fantasy football, regardless of how good the defenses are. That's what you need to look for. You need to be looking for shootouts not defenses, not weathers. You just need to be looking for good games, regardless of what's on the other side of the ball, because let's face it, players are going to get things done regardless. Okay. And so we look at this and we see genuinely, genuinely, everyone, everyone on both sides of the ball were productive because we had an overtime game where both teams scored over 30 points. Matthew Stafford, nearly 300 yards and three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, eight receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown. Pukunakua, five receptions for 84 yards. Even the rookie tight end, Davis Allen, who came in for an injured Tyler Higby, four receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. Who might I know? Definitely someone worth picking up in your deeper tight end premium leagues as Tyler Higby's contract is near over. And this was a pretty good game for him. So he could turn into something next season. But also, Kyron Williams, 114 rush yards. Really good game from all the Rams. Bounce back game for Cooper Cup. Bounce back game for Matthew Stafford. Bounce back game for Puka Nakua. Good stuff from them. And then all the Ravens. Same thing. Everyone was productive. 316 pass yards and three touchdowns and 70 rush yards for Lamar Jackson. And the receivers all benefited from that. Odell Beckham, 97 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah Likely, 83 yards and a touchdown. Zay Flowers, 60 yards and a touchdown. What more do you want from this, guys? It's amazing. And by the way, yes, start Odell Beckham. Yes, start Isaiah Likely. Yes, start Zay Flowers without a question in every league going forward. Because again, we're towards the end of the season and the teams that are playing for the playoffs are going to be playing harder and their players are going to be making plays. So all of these Ravens receivers look for them to be productive rest of season. But even the running backs and the final takeaway, Keith Mitchell, the top dog, not getting enough volume. And this is always the concern always the concern that I've said all season going into this year as well. You don't really want running backs on mobile quarterback offenses. I know at the end of the day, it opens up the field. It makes it to where you'll have bigger running lanes and everything, but also you lose so much volume. We talked about Jalen Hurts being the leading rusher on the Eagles. We talked about Justin Fields being the leading rusher on the Bears. Lamar Jackson, the leading rusher on the Ravens. He had 11 carries. Keaton Mitchell had nine. Gus Edwards had six. So why, why would you want that, right? I know Keaton Mitchell's explosive, but in the back of your head every single week, you're going to be like, well, is he really going to be able to break off a run? Because that's what it relies on when you're not getting a lot of volume. And so I would be trading Keaton Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins, any of the running backs on mobile quarterback teams because people tend to pay up a bit more than you actually get from them on a week-to-week basis. There's too much floor, uh, too low of a floor for me. Not enough volume for those types of running backs on those teams for me to ever feel confident enough to start them the way a player like that should. So yes, Keith Mitchell's the leading running back, but is it really worth anything? That's what you have to ask yourself. The next game is Vikings 
Raiders. And this will go down as one of the worst football games of all time. As the Vikings win 3-0. I'm not lying to you. 3-0 was the final score for this game, and it was not good. It was not good. Josh Dobbs got the start, 10 of 23, 60 yards, and then got benched. Nick Mullins came in and was fine, 9 of 13 for 83 yards. It's going to be Nick Mullins' quarterback room the rest of season, I assume. But I also just want to say, Justin Jefferson got re-injured pretty early. And so I know that the kind of genesis of this was that Josh Dobbs would get a chance with full weapons. He didn't necessarily get that, but I will also say he didn't look good enough. Uh, he, he looked bad. He deserved to get benched. Not sure what that Lynn Sanity run was all about. Sounds like he needs to get traded to another team so he can, you know, be good again. But it's going to be Nick Mullins' rest of season. And the takeaway from that is, it might be KJ Osborne season. It's a question mark. I know this is a one week sample size, so I'm not trying to get ahead of myself too much here, but KJ Osborne did have the most targets outside of TJ Hawkinson. KJ Osborne had seven targets. This is mostly with Nick Mullins as well. So I just wanted to point that out. He didn't do much with it. Only four receptions for 15 yards, but still to see him get the second most targets ahead of Jordan Addison, ahead of injured Justin Jefferson, and only one target behind TJ Hawkinson, I think is something worth noting and something to keep an eye on going forward. TJ Hawkinson, the leading target getter and receiver, five receptions for 53 yards off of his eight targets, but still not enough production. And it looks like the Vikings are going to be going on a skid for the rest of the year. Keep, we'll talk about Justin Jefferson's injury tomorrow when we've learned some more. On the Raiders, there's really not a lot to talk about here as they scored zero points. Um, but Josh Jacobs did get injured. We don't know the full severity here, but Amir Abdullah got one carry and two receptions. Zeus got two carries. So as we talked about before, if Josh Jacobs is to go down, it's not going to be Zamir White uh, bell cow. It is going to be a split backfield between Amir Abdullah and Zeus, uh, Zamir White, and maybe even some Brandon Bolden. Uh, but it's not going to be a bell cow Zamir White, so don't go bid up for him tomorrow. It's going to be a split backfield. I'm fine spending a marginal amount on him, but Amir Abdullah is still going to get some work. And Zamir White, if he was actually good, would have had some more opportunity by now. I think he's not that good, even with his speed. And then one thing I did want to note here is that Hunter Renfro is totally going to get traded. Now, in this game, he goes 3 of 5 for 45 yards. And you guys know I'm a Hunter Renfro guy. So I'm going to say go ahead and get him now while he's still on the Raiders' bad offense because I think he's not only going to get traded, but I think he'll get traded to somewhere that can actually utilize him and actually wants him, and he'll do really well. He's still one of the best slot receivers in the league, a really, really good route runner. And so I'm trying to get Hunter Renfro uh, for free in a lot of leagues, but on the cheap in some of these deeper leagues, as I do think next year, especially in PPR formats, on whatever team trades for him, they're going to like him, and he's going to do really well. So look to get Hunter Renfro before he's moved. The next game was 49ers Seahawks. And we talk time and time again. We use this term league winner, right? League winner. Who is going to win your league this year? And I'm saying it now. It's Debo Samuel. It is Debo Samuel. Yes, to another extent, it's Brock Purdy. And to the most extent, it's Brock Purdy. But it's Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel in this game, seven of nine targets, brought in seven receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown. I believe a, a rushing touchdown as well for Debo Samuel. What a guy. He's just so good at this time of year as the 49ers are making their playoff push and he's being relied on heavily and it just looks beautiful. It looks so, so good. I know last week I had my whole I love Debo Samuel thing, but to see it happen yet another week, now three weeks in a row, 
Debo Samuel is this year's league winner, ladies and gentlemen. And you can probably still get him for cheap because for some reason, there's some stink around his name. People do not like Debo Samuel, but he is carrying this 49ers team. I'm going to say it. Brock Purdy looked a lot worse without Debo Samuel is all I'm going to say. He finishes this game 368 yards, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel already mentioned 149 yards and a touchdown. Ayuk 126 yards. George Kittle 76 yards and a touchdown. And Christian McCaffrey 145 rush yards. And that last takeaway for the Niners, there was no Elijah Mitchell. So Jordan Mason got the backup role and did take four carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Mason, the handcuff here, even with Elijah Mitchell back. Jordan Mason is just productive every time he gets a chance. So I like myself some Jordan Mason. For the Seahawks, we talked about and called that Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker would split this backfield. I said that they're both less than 100%. In fact, they're both probably at about 50% for this game. So I did not expect either to dominate. And in fact, I did expect Zach Charbonnet to probably get a few more carries as his injury was a lot less severe than Kenneth Walker's. But because they had no running backs left, because they were both less than 100%, they both had to play. Uh, really just to take the weight off each other's shoulders. Nine carries for Charbonnet eight for Kenneth Walker. It was more so just a body thing. More so, we just need some people to run. That's all it is. And that's what they did. Not much with it. Uh, Drew Locke had to be the quarterback. So, I mean, and he played admirably, right? Two touchdowns, two interceptions. But, I mean, 16 points against the 49ers, nothing to scoff at. DK Metcalf scored a touchdown, but then got ejected. And Tyler Lockett brought in six of his targets, all six of his targets, for 86 yards. Good games from them. But I did want to point out that while Jackson Smith and Jigba had another quiet game, he did still lead the Seahawks in targets yet again. Four receptions off of seven targets for 25 yards. So that window staying open one more week for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Still try to buy him because if it's not the end of this season that he finally breaks out, it's next season. So get Jackson Smith and Jigba while you still can. Next game we have is the Bills Chiefs. And it was a heartbreaker for the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes furious on the sideline after this game about an offsides call or neutral zone infraction uh, for Kadarius Tony, who lined up offsides on the game-winning touchdown. Great heads-up play from Travis Kelsey. Great heads-up play from Kadarius Tony outside of the offsides. Looked good. But they lose the game. His foot barely over the line, which, by the way, I, I just I don't I don't necessarily get why it's a penalty. It wasn't that big of a deal. I get if it's egregious, but I would also be pretty pissed off if I were Patrick Mahomes. Now, Kadarius Tony, you've got to be smarter than that. But I also do agree with Andy Reid and that the refs should have said something before the snap, uh, as they normally do. They came out and said that they couldn't see the football because of Kadarius Tony. I feel like if I'm a referee and I can't see the football the most important part of my job, I'm going to say, hey, Kadarius Tony, scoop back. Uh, so I would be livid, but still, you can't put yourself in those situations. You've got to play football without any noggin mistakes, and Kadarius Tony made one. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're just not the Chiefs of old. They're just not. They're just not. It's pretty funny that they're a defensive team now. This offense is just miserable. Patrick Mahomes, 25 of 43, one touchdown and one interception, less than 300 yards. Travis Kelsey, six receptions for 83 yards, but not bad, but not great. And it was Rasheed Rice, who was the most important guy here. Seven receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. But it's just not enough. Marcus Valdez-Scantling making drops. Justin Watson, just not that good. Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey anymore. He's still a really good tight end, still top five, right? But he's not this clearly worlds above rest of everyone uh, tight end anymore. He's lost a step. 
And so this Chiefs team hurting. They are not a Super Bowl contender. Not sure who it's going to be from the AFC, but it's not the Chiefs. And final takeaway from the Chiefs is no Pacheco. What does it mean? It apparently means Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who had the most touches here. 11 carries for 39 yards, two receptions for 29. Jarek McKinnon only seven touches, so seven to 13 touches between the two. But McKinnon does score the touchdown. 19 rush yards off of four carries and 18 receiving yards off of three receptions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting the bulk, but Jarek McKinnon being more productive. I will say this means you can't start either. I'm not starting either Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jarek McKinnon ever again if I if uh, Isaiah Pacheco is out. I'm just not doing it. In fact, I would sell both Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon for next to nothing. I said the same thing about Jamal Williams. I'm saying it about these guys too. If you can get a fifth round rookie for these guys, just do it. It's not worth it. Move on, clear that roster spot and have a fun coupon for next year's rookie draft. For the Bills, honestly, not much to talk about here. They end up winning the game, but no one had that great of a game. Stephon Diggs only brought in four of his 11 targets for 24 yards. Dalton Kincaid got banged up, didn't get a lot of yards. Dawson Knox in his first game back only had three receptions for 36 yards. Important to note that it's the most yards he had all season, but just not enough. The guy who is killing the Bills right now, who is dominating the Bills right now, is James Cook. James Cook is on fire right now. Now four straight games with 100 yards or a touchdown and with over 16 PPR fantasy points. He's killing it right now. 58 rush yards, 83 receiving yards, and a touchdown for him. Just on fire, getting a ton of usage and a ton of production. Congratulations to all James Cook managers. I wish I didn't trade him in one of the leagues. I mean, I have him in a ton of leagues, so I went ahead and traded him, but I wish I just held on to him in the league I traded him to. Broke my one rule. I try not to worry about overexposure, but for some reason, I made that mistake twice this year. I always say, I'm just going to stay with my guys. I'm not going to worry about exposure. Don't really care about diversifying my portfolio. But for some reason, I made that move with James Cook, traded him away for DeAndre Hopkins because I needed a wide receiver, but not a good move. Should have just kept James Cook. Looking great with Joe Brady. And I don't know why it took the Bills so long to just put the ball in James Cook's hand. But that is the only takeaway. Well, the end of the takeaways for that game. The next one here is the Broncos Chargers. And I don't understand. I don't get it. All of us, me, everyone in the audience, everyone on Twitter, Instagram, you know, anyone who is anyone and cares about the NFL, knew. Like week one, literally even just going into the season that Brandon Staley should have been fired. So the fact that he's still the head coach 14 weeks into the year, it's mind-boggling. I have no idea how this guy has kept the job, and it's awful. The defense is bad, the offense is bad, and it ultimately falls on his shoulders. Yes, in this game, Justin Herbert got hurt, which we'll talk about some more next, or you know, tomorrow or just throughout the week as we learn more, but still only seven points is terrible. It's just terrible. And this is, I mean, six points against the Patriots. It is just, this team sucks. And Brandon Staley should have been fired before the year even began, but much less, at least after this game, I don't know how he's on the flight back home. I really don't. Get rid of him. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Austin Eckler came back, though. Austin Eckler did return in this game, 10 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. And finally, Finally, five receptions for 49 yards. We had not been seeing receiving from him at all this year. It had completely gone away. So it's really good to see the receptions come back. Hopefully it continues, but I'm really not sure it will. Actually, you know what? I think it will. I do think Easton Stick will target Austin Eckler a bit 
just because you kind of have to as a backup quarterback. You've got to do these dump offs. So look for Austin Eckler to uh, make a good run rest of season, but still not enough as this Chargers offense is just not going to be scoring touchdowns without Justin Herbert and with Brandon Staley still the head coach. They're just not good. Now, Quentin Johnson was the leading receiver. Who thought we would ever say that? 91 receiving yards for Quentin Johnson brought in three of his four targets. So, hey, maybe coming back. I assume that that was one big play for him. And you would love to see if it's a big play, a touchdown in that stat line. So there's still not enough. But to see him lead the receivers is pretty good. Pretty good news. So if you can still get him for a fourth, fifth round pick, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then Keenan Allen. 12 targets, brought in six of them for 68. I see a question here on TikTok, and I'm sure it's in everyone's mind. What do you do with Keenan Allen now that Justin Herbert is probably going to miss a couple weeks in the most important part of the season? You hold on to him, especially in PPR leagues. We talk about it time and time again. The wide receiver one with a backup quarterback gets so much volume. Uh, so I'm going to expect Keenan Allen to be just as good. Maybe less touchdowns and less ceiling, but still a decent floor. 15 points a week, I feel like should be expected from Keenan Allen. Going forward, lose some ceiling, but not that big of a deal. If you can sell him for you know a good return, like if you can get a, end, a late round first or something, or just a first in general, I would probably do it or a few seconds. Uh, but otherwise, I'm holding him out, riding him out rest of season. And then for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton scored a touchdown again. And then Jerry Judy is just not that good. Two of six, 16 yards, and should have scored a touchdown. I mean, he had plenty of time to score and get his second foot down, but he didn't. Uh, he just went out of bounds instead, didn't get a second foot down, and missed what should have been a touchdown. So he's just not that good. He's definitely not on the Broncos after this season, and I'm not sure he'll be that good wherever he goes, but sometimes a change of scenery helps. But I'm definitely saying this. Don't pay up for Jerry Judy. If you can get him for free, if you want to take a gamble with him, sure. But I'm not really going to do much with him. I don't think it's really worth it. Um, and then for the running backs, Javante Williams, 20 touches. Jaleel McLaughlin, 6. Samaje Pirine, 7. When it comes to Pirine, note that 5 of those 7 touches were receptions. So he is the receiving back here. Javante Williams, I think, only had 2 in this one. So uh, it's Pirine for the receiving back. But still, not a ton of work. Uh, he's only got flex appeal in some like more shootout-type games. Or Javante Williams goes down. For the most part, it's the Javante Williams backfield. The McLaughlin fun is over, and the P. Ryan fun is just not enough. So those are the Broncos Chargers takeaways. The final game of yesterday was the Eagles-Cowboys. And rest in peace to the Eagles. This is now back-to-back -back weeks where the offense has completely flopped. Uh, the Cowboys basically shut them out. In fact, I'm, I'm just going to say it. The Cowboys shut out the Eagles. I mean, their only touchdown was a defensive touchdown. Jalen Carter picked up a fumble and ran it back. No one on the Eagles offense scored a touchdown or even really looked that great for that matter. Uh, the 49ers before this game came out and said that they delivered the blueprint to beating the Eagles. And it looks like they truly did as the Cowboys shut them out, played good football on both sides. And I'm not sure what's going on with the Eagles. As I mean, they were back to full strength. Dallas Goddard returned, but he didn't do too much for receptions for 30 yards. And Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, neither of them did a ton. Both of them got you there. I mean, you were excited with their production. A.J. Brown, nine receptions for 94 yards. And Devontae Smith, five receptions for 73 yards. But you've got to be concerned if you're Eagles fans right now, as it's just not looking that good. It's not. I'm sure they'll bounce back and figure some things out. But to see back-to-back -back stinker weeks is disappointing and discouraging. But I will go ahead and say, don't bench any Eagles next week, as I guarantee they're going to bounce back next week on fire and look really, really good. I think they're going to play with the chip on their shoulder because they've now lost to two of the other top NFC teams and fall into the number five seed in the NFC. They've got to push forward and finish out the year strong. 
And I did want to note as well that Devontae Smith was performing a lot better without Dallas Goddard, but still 10 targets for him in 73 yards is really, really good. Like I said, I was not worried. I do think that Devontae Smith has reestablished himself as the 1B slash, you know, number two, high end number two for the Eagles. And he's still going to continue to get a ton of volume, even with Dallas Goddard back. So look for Devontae Smith to help you out rest of season. No worries. And then on the Cowboys, final takeaways here. Dak Prescott's still really good. Two touchdowns, 271 yards, pretty solid. Jake Ferguson, the leading receiver, five receptions for 72 yards. So still someone you need to start every week. Sorry to everyone that I uh, really convinced to pick up Luke Schoonmaker. I really thought it would happen, but Jake Ferguson's simply good at football. Uh, and so does CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, six receptions, 71 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Gallup also got himself a touchdown. So good for all those receivers. Want to break down this running back backfield, and then we'll answer some questions. Tony Pollard. 23 touches, 16 carries, and seven receptions. So seeing the seven receptions for Tony Pollard is exactly what you want to see. Extremely encouraging. Love to see it. But then on the flip side, what's discouraging is Rico Dowdle continues to eat into his workload. 12 carries, 46 yards, and a touchdown for Rico Dowdle. Very discouraging as he gets the goal line touchdown over Tony Pollard. And is just continuously seeing his work go up and up and up every single week so he's a really good handcuff right now someone that needs to be rostered um and tony pollard also still needs to be rostered if someone sells him this week i'm buying tony pollard i think it's possible that he hits the block but uh, i would buy him and i think he's worth paying up for as well as again we have these teams making their final playoff push they're gonna play really well the last few weeks that's like the eagles cowboys 49ers uh chiefs bills jaguars browns Really everyone, go look at the NFL playoff picture now and go target players from those teams. That's my final takeaway. Go target teams making their playoff push because this is when it matters most. All of their players leaving it all on the field, trying to earn that playoff spot. So go get anyone still in the hunt, especially those that have you know still a lot of work to do to earn their stuff. So we've got Monday Night Football tonight. I wish everyone the best of luck on your Monday Night Miracles, but let's answer some questions let's check out here on the youtube chat wicks tucker craft or devito and superflex tight end premium tonight since aaron jones isn't playing just go with the quarterback just go with danny devito let's see shout out canadian chase brown let's go canadians let's go mlad says camera much clearer um yeah thank you thank you was it good everyone listening right now was this fine was this better i still i'm looking at me i feel like my lips are a little off which is very concerning i thought that this new camera would easily solve that i thought it was a camera issue uh so everyone commenting let me know i mean i see mlad saying it's much clearer and better so i appreciate that but i still feel like there's a little bit of a delay maybe not i don't know either way comments let me know uh in a Superflex league would you ship uh herbert for kyler I'm assuming Justin Herbert for Kyler Murray. I would look for something else on top because I do think Justin Herbert's going to get better next season. Um, Mlad said, if I wasn't such a homer for the Falcons, you would believe in me and my belief for Ritter. I think that's fair. But, you know, I also, you know, if I'm backing up Zach Wilson too, I feel like I'm just, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm being okay. I feel like it's not too much of a homer opinion. Uh, let's see. Keep going down. Keep going down. What are some good defenses target for the playoff run? Uh, I honestly don't, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I don't know. I don't, I don't play in DS defense special teams league. So it's just not something that's at the top of my head, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, I'm just going to say, uh, this is kind of the same process, right? Any defense that's making a playoff push Browns, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles, 
any of those guys. Um, let's see. Keep going down. True, three fumbles by the Eagles. That's an issue. Yeah, Pollard does look better with another uh, running back, so that's fine. Board Bros says to pin him that he's a Browns fan and that he's seven and six. So congratulations, Board Bros. Um, and I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Um, Deontay Johnson or Montre Stevenson? I'm assuming this is next week. Probably uh, Devontae. Broadcast is good. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. So like literally like no issues at all. Like this is fine. Like we're good. I have 60 FPS. So check this out. Like my hands can actually move. Isn't that nice? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, thank you. Let's check out Instagram real quick. And then TikTok. Looks like nothing. No questions here on Instagram. So thank you guys for tuning in and just engaging, but no questions. Um, do I think Jaden Reed will outscore Jalen Waddle? Matt, I'm going to say I don't think so. But I do think that there's definitely a huge possibility. Jalen Waddle could totally have a floor game, whereas I do think Jaden Reed is at least going to get like 10 to 12 points tonight at the very least. So if Jalen Waddle has a floor game, I think that that is definitely possible. And then would you start Rice or Wilson next week? I don't know. Uh, probably Wilson if it's Garrett Wilson. Um, so cool. All right. Thank you guys for telling me the broadcast is smooth. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. So it looks like we're, we're set, which is really good news. As tomorrow, we're going to have a very special guest as the Podfather will be hopping on Wake and Take to preview a little special. Maybe your boy will be hopping on Mind of Mansion tomorrow as well. So make sure you tune in to Wake and Take tomorrow morning and maybe that other show I mentioned tomorrow afternoon as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you for asking questions. I wish you all the best of luck on your Monday Night Miracles tonight as we have two matchups left. And I hope you've all made the playoffs in your leagues as we're now getting in to the final couple weeks of the season. Let's go football. Have a marvelous Monday and a wonderful rest of your week. Peace.